0: So, there's a guy who went on a diet to lose weight, and he swore off donuts. He told his doctor, he told his family, he told his wife, told everybody, I'm not eating donuts anymore. And one day on the way to work, he was craving donuts. He was starving for donuts. And so, he thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive by TNT Donuts, and if there's an open parking spot right by the door, then I'll know it's God's will that I eat a donut today. So he drove to TNT Donuts, looking for that open spot right by the front door. And sure enough, on his 11th time around the block, there it was, God's will. Discerning God's will is tricky at best. It's hard. What what is God's will for me? What what is God's will for my family? What is God's will for this church? Last week, we rolled out these these plans for a a direction and for a vision for us together here as a community of faith at Golf Course Road. We're calling it Breakthrough. Breakthrough. Breakthrough is our commitment to transformation and mission. What God is doing in us and what God is doing through us for the sake of others to his glory and praise. And we feel good about this. Breakthrough is the culmination of over a year's worth of work and prayer and study and conversation and discernment and surveys. I mean, we just feel like this is us. This this just feels like us at Golf Course Road and what our Lord is calling us to at this particular time. And what I'd like to do is show the video again. Dan, can you cut the lights and let's, this is the same video we showed last week. This, you can find it on the GCR website. It's on the church app, but it does such a good job of, of summarizing what we rolled out last week. I want us to watch it one more time.
1: Our vision as a church is very simple. Being changed by God to love like Jesus. Being changed by God is what God is doing in us. Transformation, spiritual formation, discipleship. To love like Jesus is what God is doing through us. Mission, ministry, good works for the sake of others in the name and manner of Jesus. That's it. And while this vision is very simple, it can manifest itself in a million different ways. In order to bring our vision into sharp focus and accomplish all that we can for the kingdom of Christ, two things have to be in place, leadership and resources. The Golf Course Road Church needs men and women who are eager to take ownership of our God-given vision and willing to lead others in living it. And the church needs resources to make the vision a reality. A vision that is never resourced is just a dream. In most churches, capital campaigns are almost always connected to buildings and projects. But what if a church had a leadership and resourcing plan that was attached not to projects but to our vision? A plan that would unify our church, build unstoppable momentum, and make the GCR vision a reality? Well, we're excited to tell you we have that plan, and it's called Breakthrough. Over the next few years, our vision as a church will be engaged through what we're calling Formation Zones. Knowledge, community, Christian practices, and mission. Knowledge means a greater emphasis on the story of God in our Bible class settings and teachings. Community means more small groups paying closer attention to the work of God in and through one another. Christian practices means an increased variety in the ways we experience God through word and prayer. And mission means loving like Jesus on the streets with our hands and feet right here in West Texas, where God planted us nearly 60 years ago. Breakthrough means tight gospel relationships with five local organizations that are shining the light of Christ into the dark places of Midland Odessa, sending 100 GCR members on short-term missions trips over the next two years, adopting and supporting three brand new church planters and congregations, Christian practices retreats and new small groups, ecumenical experiences and citywide events. And finally, the remodel of our worship center. Our church building is a mission outpost that is used almost every single day, both by Christian groups and those who do not yet know Christ we will be replacing the 23-year-old carpet, expanding the stage, installing a flexible and comfortable new seating system, improving the lights and sound, and building a beautiful baptistry right down front. This magnificent room is the centerpiece of our church campus. And these upgrades and updates will result in more capacity for more events, more opportunities to share the love of Jesus with more people and groups. All of this transformation and mission is defined by one vision, for one church, being changed by God to love like Jesus. We are asking our church to give $4 million on Sunday, October 30th, to smash the walls, to blast past the barriers, to ignite the blaze that will have us not simply walking, but running, even soaring, to realize our God-given vision together. This is our plan. This is our time. This is our vision. This is Breakthrough.
0: Amen. Uh, I don't know about you. It's funny. Every time we show the picture of the new worship center, I'm always looking for myself in that picture. And I'm, I'm not in it. And I hope that's, you know, just something weird. It's not, not a thing. I love the way that video, though, summarizes everything that, that we're, we're hoping to do here for the next several years. I think this gives our vision here some bite. And I think it gives our mission here some legs, especially here locally, right here in Midland where God put us. And your response to this over the last week has just been fabulous. It has been so encouraging. So many of you uh, have been asking us, you know, how, how do we give? How do we get involved? How do we, how do we volunteer? And I'm just so thankful for the ways that you are embracing this challenge as a church. And it's a lot. I know it's a lot. If you're going to be a bear, you may as well be a grizzly is what I've heard. And so it's a lot, but, but it's important what we're talking about. Um, and I think it's big. I think it's going to set the foundation and the focus for this church for the next couple of generations at least. And so like we asked you last week, I want everybody to first enjoy this time. We're very blessed and we ought to be thankful to God for that. And also to be informed, make sure you've got all the information and be an ambassador for accurate information. And then thirdly, listen to God. Listen to how God wants you to faithfully plan and pray and participate in breakthrough here at Golf Course Road. There was an old country preacher one Sunday afternoon who was doing a baptismal service down at the river And in walks the town drunk. He walks right in to the waist-high water. And he stands right there next to the preacher in front of all these people. And so the preacher grabs the drunk by the hand. And he says, are you ready to finally find Jesus? And the drunk says, yes, sir, I am. And so the preacher puts him underwater and pulls him back up. And he says, well, did you find Jesus? And the drunk says, no, sir, I did not. Well, that made the preacher mad and embarrassed because he's in front of all these people. And so the preacher takes the drunk and he slams him into the water and he just kind of holds him there for like 15 seconds, 20 seconds. He's holding this drunk under the water and the guy is flailing and he's fighting and he's twisting and he's trying to break away. Finally, the preacher pulls him up and the drunk is shaking and he's, he's, he's out of breath. He's gasping for air. And the preacher says, now did you finally find Jesus? And the drunk says, no, are you sure this is where he fell in? Now, we are very good at baptizing people. We're good at it. I mean, I'm grateful for the ways historically and scripturally we as a fellowship have really linked this act of faith to the life-saving death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we're good at it. Anybody in the world comes up to one of us and says, how can I be saved? We know what to do. We get out the flip chart, and we're like, here's how you do it. Here's the five steps. Here's the five scriptures. Here's Acts 2.38. We're good at it. Somebody comes up to us and says, how do I become sanctified? How do I become more like Christ? How can I grow closer to God? How do I make my faith deeper? We're not as good about that. We don't really have a common language or a common model for that kind of a thing. But we're convinced that that is God's great work. That's what he is doing. He is changing us. He is transforming us into the image of Jesus. And so we're determined to pay closer attention to it here in our church family. We're going to develop a common model and a common language around what we're calling formation zones. We're convinced that this is where the transformation happens. Knowledge, community, Christian practices, and mission. Can we all say them out loud together? I just, I want these to get into us. Like, like we are going to own these, okay, over the next several weeks. So, let's say them out loud. You ready? Knowledge, community, Christian practices, mission. That's pretty good. You've read your brochure, apparently. And as we dive into these formation zones over the next few weeks, I want us to recognize, okay, this is important. I know we've all got our own default zones. Out of these four, we've all got one or two that we are most comfortable with. We all have our natural strengths and our kind of defaults. And I think that's okay. Some of us gravitate more toward community. Some of us are more energized by Bible study. Some of us connect to God more easily through prayer and being still. Others of us lean more into mission, doing things. Some of us have never fasted. That time between lunch and dinner doesn't count, Jerry, okay? Some of us prefer big, loud, high energy worship services and others of us grow in our faith by making hospital visits. With these formation zones, I know we all have our comfort zones. But working in just one or two of these zones is not going to be enough. What we're after is a more holistic discipleship where even when we do have our favorites, we engage all four of these zones and we value all four of these zones as places where God is changing me. We need all four to be fully balanced and equipped and transformed disciples. Listen, there's no point in having super strong legs if the rest of your body is flabby. There's no point in learning how to dribble past an opponent if you never learn how to do a layup. It does nobody any good to drive the field in 21 seconds and kick a game tying field goal if you're going to fumble on the very next play. You see what I'm saying? It's like driving a car and not knowing how to turn on the headlights or get it out of reverse. You can still get around, but you're going to be severely limited. You're going to drive like Deanne, you know, that's not, that's not what we're after here. And again, these zones are not steps. This isn't a a strategy or a program. This is how God changes us, whether we're paying attention to it or not. This is how God transforms us despite how we organize or program our church. And so what if we actually paid attention to these methods? What if we actually, instead of just waiting for transformation to happen to us, as it has for all of us, what if we actually identified those zones and we jumped into those zones with everything we've got, expecting the transformation to happen? I think the sky's the limit on a deal like that. We want to foster a culture here at Gulf Course Road where all of us are exploring and experiencing all four of these zones, and we're expecting that God is faithfully making us into the image of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at each of these formation zones one at a time over the next few Sundays. And the one today, we've talked about it, it's knowledge. If I were stranded on a desert island, all by myself, and I could only have one book, that book, without question, would be Thompson's Guide to Practical Shipbuilding, right? (laughs) All right, I'm going to say a couple of things about knowledge. Man, I wish some of y'all were sitting closer. (laughs) We're going to talk about knowledge here a little bit. Then we're going to talk a little bit about what this is going to look like at Golf Course Road, okay? The first thing I want to say is biblical knowledge, okay, Christian knowledge means understanding what God is doing, Colossians 1, we, we read this this morning in our Bible class time, Colossians 1, the apostle writes, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In scripture, knowledge is not like a special understanding of these deep insights that are only reserved for the spiritually elite. It's not unlocking the eternal secrets of the universe. In the Bible, knowledge means understanding what God is doing. Knowledge is not knowing the kings of Israel in chronological order. It's not knowing how many generations there are in Matthew's genealogy. It's not having a well-researched argument for why Adam did or did not have a belly button, okay? That's not, that's not the kind of knowledge we're talking about. Jesus said, the Jews you diligently study the scriptures you know the passages back and forth you've got them but you don't have me you're not listening to me the scriptures point to me and you've got them but I'm nowhere in sight that's Jesus and according to the Bible knowledge is knowing how Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of God's plans In all of God's promises, later on in this same chapter, Paul's talking about the commission, verse 25, this commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, Christ, Christ, Jesus admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom chapter 2 Colossians verse 2 my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding why in order that they may know the mystery of God namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge knowledge is understanding what god has done and is doing through jesus it's knowing that god's salvation is available to all people through jesus and it keeps us from being sucked into the world's opposite kinds of wisdom and knowledge and understanding the beliefs and values of our culture they are powerful forces And without God's knowledge, we can wind up buying into some mushy sentimentality or or following the pathway of power or success or just following the herd, you know, whatever's on the wall at Mardell this week. Christians may not know more than other people, but we ought to know better. Biblical knowledge, Christian knowledge. Is understanding what God is doing through Jesus. And we never stop pursuing this knowledge. We never stop chasing it. We never stop living into this Christian knowledge. We hunger for it. We crave it. You know why? Because biblical knowledge is yummy. You can quote me on that. Biblical knowledge is Yummy. You can quote me or you can quote the Bible, actually. Psalm 119, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to the mouth. I gain knowledge from your precepts. Psalm 19 says, the ordinances from the Lord are sweeter than honey. The message translates it, the word of the Lord is better than grandma's banana pudding. That's not true. That's really the RSV, the Revised Stanglin Version. What do the words of God taste like? Have you ever eaten the word? Jeremiah 15, 16, listen to the words of the prophet. He says, when your words came, God, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. What happens when you eat something? What happens when you eat something? It becomes part of you right? You assimilate it. It becomes your blood and your bones and your liver and and it it becomes part of you. And we know this, right? We experience this. If a nursing mother eats fajitas for lunch with salsa and peppers and jalapenos and onions, she's going to be up all night. Not because she's sick. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not because she's sick. Her baby will be sick, right? Because those fajitas have become a part of her. Right? We know this. You are what you eat. That's true. I look in the mirror and I see Whataburger and I see cheese tots, right? They've become a part of me, the biggest parts of me, by the way. So so we know what this is. And Jeremiah says, When your words came, God, I ate them, I digested them, I assimilated them, I made them a part of me. Ezekiel, there's a similar thing happening here. At the end of Ezekiel 2, God says, You, listen to what I say to you. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me, and it was a scroll which he unrolled before me. And he said to me, Son of man, Eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Eat this scroll. Eat my words, God says. Fill your stomach with it. That's weird, right? Ezekiel's being called into God's service. Speak for me to Israel, God says. Tell the people my plans. Tell them what I'm doing. I want you to teach my people. I want you to be an example to my people. Here, eat this scroll. Eat my words. Eat my holy will. Make it a part of you. Be one with it. Make it who you are. Take all of it in. There's a similar thing happening in Revelation 10. The Apostle John is on the island of Patmos on the Lord's Day, and he sees this giant angel. And the angel begins to speak, and John starts taking notes, which is like something we would all do, right? We want to get the information. We want to get the content. We want to get it right. Can you please, you know, spell that for me? That's how we are. And the angel says, no, don't write it down. I want you to eat it. I went to the angel. I asked him to give me the scroll, and he said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth... It will be sweet as honey. I took the scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey. Listen, the words of Scripture are written by God's Holy Spirit in order to get inside us. They're intended to penetrate deep into our hearts and our bones and our souls to become a part of us. We take this knowledge of God, what God is doing through Christ. We take this understanding into us, and then that biblical knowledge transforms us. The knowledge of God, it it changes us. It transforms us into the image of Christ. Colossians chapter 3 says, You have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, being renewed, being changed, being transformed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Titus 1 says, knowledge leads to godliness. So when we read the word, when we engage with the word of God, we are changed. Go back to Colossians 1, which we've already read earlier. We've not stopped praying for you, verse 9, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, verse 10. And we pray this, why? We want you to be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. Why? We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. The true test of whether you're being filled with the knowledge of God is going to be proven in the good fruit of your good works. When you grow in knowledge, the Bible says it shows up in good works. Second Timothy chapter 3. Oh my goodness. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You have known the Holy Scriptures at the end of chapter 3, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the child of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You might think that, that knowledge is all about correct doctrine or more accurate facts or being more right. It's not. Biblical knowledge is all about action. Living by the Bible, living in the knowledge of God doesn't mean we want to know more. It means we want to do more. We don't just read the Bible. We don't just gain Christian information for its own sake. We engage it and we receive it into our lives so it metabolizes into these acts of love. Cups of cold water given, hospital and prison visits, Cakes and casseroles baked and delivered. Evangelism and justice and righteousness and sacrifice and service for the sake of others. Because of what God has done in us and what he's doing through us. Because of that knowledge. Being changed by God to love like Jesus happens when we pay attention to knowledge. When we make the knowledge of God and his salvation work through Jesus our priority and that's what we're doing now at golf course road we want to do this knowledge zone well and you're really going to notice it with our bible classes beginning november 6 all of our bible classes are going to be studying the same material we're going to study the same biblical text together at the same time and this is this is what we talked about out here during our bible class hour at nine o'clock And there are lots of good reasons for doing this, and we've already been over them together this morning. The main reason is we want to provide for our community of faith the full witness of Scripture on a regular and continuing basis, Old Testament and New Testament, gospel and law, prophecy and letters, topical and thematic. We want the entire witness of Scripture to get inside us. And our new Bible classes that are going to start November 6th are not going to just be Bible studies for the sake of information. Our focus is going to be on the biblical knowledge of God and his work through Jesus for the sake of transformation and mission. That starts November 6th. And the very first study that we're going to do together, we're just calling the story of God. Overall, as a church, we're going to shift to a more narrative view of scripture. You're gonna notice a more pronounced emphasis on the Bible, primarily not as a book of rules and regulations and commands that we've got to obey in order to please God, but more as primarily as this grand sweeping story, this drama of what God has been doing from eternity past all the way to eternity future. God created something beautiful, in the beginning and he is recreating something beautiful right now our God today right now through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit is fixing everything that's broken he's making right every single thing that's gone wrong his will what God is doing this knowledge of God includes salvation and redemption for all of creation including us and it happens through Jesus What God is doing is a story. It's a narrative. And it's better understood, I think, when you see it that way. And we're going to break all this down one chapter at a time, one act at a time, starting November 6. And I'm excited about this. I love this. Looking at the Bible this way is going to help us better connect the dots within the Bible, but it's also a lot easier to connect the dots from the Bible to us if we look at it in terms of story. What is God doing in the world? Where is all this headed, and where are we in the story? Where am I, and how do I play my part? Well, right now, we're living in the fifth act. We're in act five. That's where we are in God's story today And by the way, the story is going forward. It's not going backward. We are not called by God to recreate first New Testament Christianity. That's not it. We're not called by God to go back to Jesus in the time of the apostles. We're called to move the story forward, to live it out, to play our parts and to say our lines in ways that moves God's story to its glorious conclusion. Sometimes our biggest problems come when we see our lives and our experiences in the wrong act of the story. Leukemia and cancer does not belong in act 1. That's act 2. You follow me? You understand? Muslims are living today like act 4 never happened and they're still fighting the wars of act 3. You tell me you're having sex with your girlfriend and y'all aren't married yet? Seriously? Well, yeah. What are you supposed to do? I get it. You're a red-blooded American male. Of course you're having sex with your girlfriend. What, are you supposed to wait? Nobody waits anymore. No, no. We're living in Act 5 of the story of God in the world. Our lives, every part of our lives are a testimony and a witness to the change that's happened in this world through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We got to know the story, and we got to know where we are in the story so we'll know how to act. And looking at the Bible this way just helps me, and I believe it'll help us. We need to know where we are, and we need to know what's coming we also need to know that God is the author of this story, and he always writes the last line. He always gets the final say, and we need to see ourselves in this story. We, know we need to join it, and we need to live it with everything we've got, and I can't wait to start this. I said earlier today, I love this. I love talking uh, through this. And I love the way it connects dots and makes light bulbs go on. Uh, I can't wait for this November 6th. I would say this might be something really cool to invite your friends to uh, if they don't already have a church family. But just get ready for that. That's going to happen starting November 6th. In Isaiah chapter 11, the Bible says that when the kingdom is finally perfected, when God's holy will has all finally been fulfilled, then there is going to be righteousness and justice and peace for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Jesus says this is eternal life right here that they may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. A sports reporter one time referred to PGA golfer Gary Player as lucky And Gary said, yeah, I'm lucky, but I've discovered the more I practice, the luckier I get. Well, we're going to practice knowledge here at Golf Course Road. We're going to live into the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. We read this earlier this morning too. We thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of humans, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. After church on Sundays, I don't get out of here very quickly by the time I shake hands with everybody and get caught up with people and meet a couple of visitors, I mean, I don't get to the restaurant till like 12.15 sometimes, and I'm starving. I am dying at 12.15. And I sit down, and they bring out the chips and hot sauce because we only eat at restaurants that serve chips and hot sauce. And sometimes, I don't do this every time, sometimes, I'll take that very first crisp salty tortilla chip And I'll dip it in and scoop a bunch of that salsa. And I'll just kind of hold it next to my mouth. And I'll kind of open. It's kind of weird, but I'll kind of open my mouth. And all those tomatoes and onions and jalapenos and all that. And my mouth just explodes with water. You know what I mean? Just the anticipation, just I can feel it. I can see it. I can smell it. I can, I can almost taste it, but just it's unbelievable the anticipation for what this is going to mean for me. Some of y'all are drooling right now. Yeah. Me too. Me too. When's the last time you opened up to Deuteronomy or Mark or Habakkuk or Galatians and your mouth watered? When's the last time you sat down with the word of God and couldn't wait to make it a part of your life? Here at GCR, we are committed to community and Christian practices and mission. We are committed to five local missions organizations and we're committed to 100 missions trips and three church plants and we are committed to feasting on the word of the lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand with me, church. I'm going to read from 2nd Peter chapter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. May God's holy and pleasing and perfect will be done in us and through us to his glory, and may we experience, by God's grace, a breakthrough to transformation and mission. Amen.